We've been doing this, uh, we're in the third and final week of um, our Christmas series, which we've called The Unseen Gift. And um, today we're going to actually be focusing on a very specific aspect of the Christmas story, and that is the fact that Jesus was a result of a virgin birth. Now, um, why was it necessary uh, that Jesus came about as a result of a a virgin birth and um, this unusual conception? And do Christians even believe this? Um, It is a rather surprising part of the story, um, but there's a lot of surprising stuff in the Bible. Um, But there's really very good reason today to believe um, not just that it happened, not just that there was this birth that came about um, through a virgin, but um, that it was very necessary for us. It, um, this whole story speaks to how God intended us to be. Um, so what we, what we see through the story is that there was this one part physical, um, and then there's one part spiritual, and that um, we believe this is really about God, the, the, the need for the story to involve this miraculous virgin birth is because it speaks to the fact that God wants to restore our original factory settings. So um, if we're going to talk about factory settings, then we go right to the beginning. Uh, so we are going to start in Genesis 2 verse 7, and it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed his breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So we have the dust on the ground, that's the material, physical part, and then we have his breath, which is also called his ruach, which he breathed in, and that gave life to the spirit, the spirit man of Adam. And that gives us our very first man, in whose image all of us come. That was Adam. Then we jump forward to Jesus, who Paul, the apostle Paul, actually also referred to (coughs) Sorry, I'm probably going to need some water. Um, if somebody, thanks, Dion. So um, we jump forward to Jesus, who Paul the apostle referred to as the last Adam. And um, now we're we're going to this beautiful part of scripture from Luke, which tells us the Christian the the Christmas story. So Luke one twenty six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary's. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen since I am a virgin? Thanks so much, Dion. How can this happen since I'm a virgin? And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby that will be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. So we see the first Adam is made up of this material, physical, and then the Spirit of God. And now we see Jesus, who's also called the last Adam, being born. And he's one part physical, which is the Mary part. Um, But the other part is spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit. And this gives us Jesus. 
who we know became the perfect man, who came to die for all the sins of humanity and to restore back to this world all that was lost through the fall. God's will is to restore us back to him. And it's actually to restore all of humanity back to him. And it's to restore us back to those original factory settings that he had intended for us, for that physical and that spiritual. So today we're going to dive into a little story about a guy named Nicodemus, um, who we find in in the book of John, chapter 3. And Nicodemus is a religious leader of the time, and he comes to talk to Jesus at night. Now, the reason he comes to talk to Jesus at night is because he's a religious leader. Um, he has to be careful who he associates with, because they're a very legalistic bunch, and they have to get everything right. And this Jesus chap had been going around and doing all manner of unruly things. He'd been trying to tip power systems, and he'd gone into the temple and tried to stop people from making money. Um, he had been you know, performing miracles. He'd just been doing a whole lot of scandalous stuff. He was hanging around with absolute undesirables, according to the legalistic um, religious leaders. So Nicodemus is clearly intrigued by this man, Jesus, but he doesn't want to be seen going to Jesus. So he kind of um, goes up in the night when uh, nobody will know. And he says, "I, I know that you must be a teacher from God because you are performing such incredible acts and signs. Um, but, but really, um, who are you? Like, what's going on here? And Jesus replies in John 3, verse 3, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, now a lot of us have heard of this term born again. Some of us, when we hear born again, we we think of fruitcakes, honestly, we think of the crazy people, um, and yet I, I, I... um, born again, and I wanted to, okay, you, you're probably going, but she is a fruit loop, okay, I accept that, but um, born again, you know, it's, it's come with such interesting ideas and connotations, especially to those who, you know, who aren't, who haven't, um, who aren't believers, and so there's this term that Jesus uses, born again, but the interesting thing that we need to remember here is that at that time, there was no such thing as a born again Christian, there was no born again believer, um, we hadn't yet had grand Grammy Awards and um, Oscar nominations and World Cup finals where people were standing there and giving, you know, saying thank you God and thank you Jesus and it just, it was not the order of the day. There were no Christians. There was a bunch of rugged chaps following Jesus around and learning from him but there was actually no faith called the Christian faith. So, so many of these uh, words and terms that we're accustomed to today simply weren't in existence. Um, there were no distinctions between Catholic and Protestant and Methodist and Catholic charismatic and the happy clappies and the glum and serious and the three-piece suit and the televangelists and the prosperity gospel people and um, there just weren't all of these things. There weren't even Christians. So um, I, I know we, we've, a few of us have got a friend called Gary who at one stage was called uh, by one of his brother's friends a happy clappy and he was deeply deeply um, offended to be called a happy clappy until this guy said well you're a happy chap, aren't you? You're happy? And he's like, yes, you know, most of the time I'm happy. And, and I also, do you ever clap? And he's like, yes, I do. And he said, well, then stop being offended. You're a happy clapper. Um, but anyway, you know, we hear these terms and these ideas and these people groups, and we have these immediate kind of connotations. But none of this was a part of this conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus. Um, he was just this Jewish religious leader trying to figure out who this strange rabbi was, this rabbi who was breaking all the rules. 
And so Jesus makes it very clear. He says um, that you aren't even going to see or taste or understand anything about the kingdom. You, you won't even take a, a first step in. You can't begin to, to perceive or understand it until you are born again. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? It's a very logical question, but quite a weird and disturbing one. Um, and he's, he's really explaining, he, he's showing us that he only knows of a physical birth, of this birth that is physical and not of a spiritual birth at all. So uh, Jesus replies, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, which speaks to the physical, and born of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. So he's saying you can't understand this unless you have these two parts. You have the physical part, and then you have the spiritual part. When we're born physically, we, we get to experience the physical world. Um, all of us today are going to experience much of the physical world with our mince pies and our gammon and our gravy and our roast potatoes and our turkey. Um, we, we experience the physical world when we sleep or for many of us parents when we don't sleep with our exhaustion. It's one of the things I've always been surprised that they never spoke much about with Mary. Um, we experience gravity, communication. Um, we know not to put our fingers in the sockets. We understand that fire causes pain. We, we live in this physical reality, and because of this physical reality around us, we've come to understand things. We know that fire is hot. We know that ice is cold. We know that dry, dry ice will burn us. We understand the physical realities, but we can't understand the spiritual realities unless we are born of spirit. And what happens when people are born of spirit is um, that they start, in some ways, to behave differently. So many people, um, I know, come along to Christmas. Some of you were dragged here because you come, you get dragged to Christmas, uh, Christmas service. I totally get that. That was me for many, many years. Um, welcome. We're we so stoked if you got dragged here anyway. But you, you could come into a situation like this and, and see these weirdos singing, and it looks like karaoke of sorts, really. Um, but, you know, there is, for some of us, and I know that I used to feel desperately uncomfortable going into a church setting and seeing people singing like this. And, and there seemed to be something going on more than just singing. And so people say when they come into an environment like, environment like this, I felt God's presence. Um, some people really make us think they're weird by saying things like, I hear God, I feel him speaking. Um, and the reality is that because there's been this birth of the spirit, there is an understanding of the spiritual so Jesus goes on and says, don't be surprised when I say that you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from, or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now, um, there are certain experiences in life which we just simply can't understand unless we've lived through them. I think one of these would be war. Um, we see people coming back from the war utterly broken and changed, um, and they could try and describe it to us, but unless we went to war, I don't think we'd ever understand it. Um, another one that comes to mind is falling in love. Um, I think that you can only describe falling in love once you've actually been through that experience, and you know that kind of fluttery, heartsick, um, weird, woozy, wonderful feeling. Um, 
these are things that are difficult to describe unless you've lived through them. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. It's this, this wind that comes. Um, it's a wind that you can't see, and yet you can see its effect. You can see that it does things. You can see that it has an impact, and it changes people and lives and situations. It's all very strange if one only looks at it physically. Um, it's the same thing that helps um, people to kind of say that this Bible is the the most life-giving book to read, you know, um, I just honestly found it the most dry and strange and ununderstandable <laughs> compilation of writings um, until I learned to actually partner with the Spirit, the one who authored and penned the Bible. Um, when we read it by the very Spirit that inspired the words in those pages, it comes alive in a different way. So the Holy Spirit is mysterious. Um, the work of the Spirit is mysterious. It's unseen. And yet when we are born of the Spirit, it begins to make a whole lot more sense. For me personally, um, my life is, uh, you know, I only came into um, faith in my 20s. And um, before that, I honestly looked in on the church world and thought that that was the place you went to once you had exhausted all other options. It looked deathly boring. Um, it looked like it was populated with a bunch of very judgmental people. This was my experience of church world. Um, and so it really was kind of last on the list. But I had this very clear, distinct sense that there was just something missing. Um, and so this led me to explore all sorts of religions and philosophies and go on courses and read books. And there was always just this, this tug for the something more. I could not reconcile myself to the fact that life could just be about eating and sleeping and drinking and going to bed and earning a salary and, and just living this kind of grind of the hamster wheel. I was just convinced that there had to be more. And yet I couldn't work out what it was. Um, I think I was also just so aware of an emptiness, just that you could look forward to an event and get there and have fun, and then the next day, just back to normal again, and um, there was always this, what next, what next, what next, and then nothing. Um, this led me into a few years of terrible partying, um, which again would, would give itself fun and joy and excitement for a few hours, and then back to normal the next day, sometimes worse the next day, sometimes better the next day, but it was just this... What, what is there? There has to be something more. Uh, what is it that can fill this emptiness? Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to the end. And so I came to this point in my life of realizing that there is nothing, nothing temporary can fill that which is eternal. The physical things can never fill the things that were only meant to be occupied by spirit. I have come to believe and know that I had a God-sized hole in my heart, in my world, that needed to be filled with his love and his spirit. And that that eternal thing that we're looking for, um, that this, he has planted eternity in our hearts. He has planted that thing there. That thing can only be found in him with his spirit. 
So we talk about these factory settings, about the fact that he made us physical and he wanted to restore us back to how it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden, how he made and created his son Jesus to show us that there's this spiritual part that gives us the ability to live fully and alive. And I want to um, give you, I think, a gift today. Um, I want to share something with you that has been so incredibly exciting for me to do for the last four years. I'll be doing it for my fifth year now. Um, But it is really something which is breathed of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, just um, to recap, is the Spirit which leads us into holiness. And holiness can look like more devotion, more obedience, more surrender, more looking like Jesus, but it's just a spirit that leads us ultimately to being more like Jesus. Now, um, these things that I'm going to share with you are gifts that can't be seen, but they have come to be the most valuable gifts that I've had in the last four years. Um, They, I believe, fall into this whole being reset thing. You know, um, every once in a while, your iPhone or whatever phone you have comes up and says, do an upgrade, you know, you're not getting maximum use out of your phone if you don't do an upgrade. I've got one of those sitting there that needs to be done at the moment. Um, but we, God has designed us in a way to live fully and abundantly. And what I'm going to share with you now, I believe, is some of these like app updates or like a iOS upgrade um, on our life that is birthed in Holy Spirit. So in 2016, um, the first year that I did this, uh, a beautiful friend, Kosi Simulani, I think some of you know her, came and said to me, Nat, take it or leave it, but I feel that God wants you to walk with this word for the year and to really dive into it and grapple with it and come out different. And the word that she told me was the word fearless. And um, I knew, I knew immediately that this was a word from God and it was something that I needed to address. And so what I did for the course of that year of 2016 was to be acutely aware of every time that I was about to say no to something based on fear. Um, I remember one time in particular, we were swimming, uh, not swimming, we had been hiking in the Berg in July and two or three very brave people dived into that icy water. And I remember just like feeling a bit jealous because... You know, they're the brave ones, and they do that. Um, Until I I had that little voice kind of go, be fearless. And and so I did. I went, that fear can't stop me from enjoying this moment that I see them enjoying. And so I leapt in in my clothes. And um, that was the first distinct memory I have of walking into the fearlessness rather than letting it dictate to me how I was going to live in that moment. That year was also a year which I was flooded with um, relational challenges and other difficulties. And, you know, um, sometimes when you you see that name pop up on your screen, like for a WhatsApp message, and you just get that, like, uh, in your stomach, and you're kind of like, let me just wait a while, because I think that's going to be a difficult message to deal with, or an email, or whatever it may be. And, And, you know, what I had previously done was to let that just kind of sit there, but it was building fear and anxiety and allowing me to imagine a whole lot of stuff that probably wasn't even going to come about. And so as a part of learning to live with fearlessness, I would just dive straight in, open it up and deal with and respond to it. And so slowly over that year, I saw myself becoming more and more fearless. Um, It was also a year where I'd felt to do a conference that was terrifying, Um, but we pushed through and we did it and I'm so glad. Um, At the end of that year, Sheldon and I were asked to come up to this site, um, and had I not worked through a bucket load of my fear, I don't think we ever would have come. So I was deeply grateful for that word of 2017. 
of 2016. In 2017, um, you know, so sometimes I just want to say, sometimes that a trusted loved one can come and say, I think this is the word for you. And sometimes it's just something that God will gift you. He'll just drop it into your spirit and you will know that this is something that you need to work through for a season. It doesn't need to be a year. It could be a month, a season, or whatever it is. So in 2017, I felt this little phrase kind of go, and it was this, give your faith a job. Um, It comes, I suppose, from a scripture which says that faith without works is dead. And it's about this notion of saying that you have faith, but unless you actually take action and step into very scary situations that make no sense, um, that your faith doesn't really have the ability to grow. And so for a a year, I navigated this whole thing of of stepping into things that were quite crazy, um, but I knew that were boost in faith. Towards the end of that year, I remember going to have some prayer with um, a lady who is honestly, you know, you get some people who don't really live in this world. They're quite unworldly. <laughs> they, um, and I, I think that she lives in heaven with the angels. Um, but she's an incredibly powerful person to go and have some prayer with. And um, I, I went to her and we, we were together for several hours. And as we were praying, she, she stopped and she said, you know, I just had such a clear picture um, that you were climbing a ladder and you suddenly stopped climbing. And God said, Nats, why have you stopped climbing? To which I had answered, I can't go any further. There are no more rungs on the ladder. And he said, there are, you can't see them. You just have to keep going. Um, so there was just one incredible experience that happened during that year of really having to step more and more into the unknown. In 2018, um, our, one of our worship leaders, Kimber, came and gifted me with the word Forge Forward. Um, and this wasn't a word only for me. It was a word for a number of people in our community and for her herself. But this was a word where, boy, oh boy, there were times when I was just ready to throw in the towel and give up on a number of things in my life. And, um, and that little quiet voice would come and say, Forge Forward. You know, um, Jesus said when he left, remember, he said that the greatest gift that he could leave would only come if he left, and that was his Holy Spirit. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. And um, this is a beautiful part of the spiritual world, is that um, when you aren't left as orphans, it's, it's these kind of words that just you are reminded of, because the Holy Spirit has gifted you with them. And so in a moment where I would have gone, okay, enough, that's it. That quiet voice would just say, forge forward. And you know, that word forge is like a forceful thing. It's like it's painful. It's, 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 it often refers to that like, um, you know, fire and metal kind of process, but it was so valuable. And by the end of that year, I was so grateful to have forged forward and not given up on some things that would have been terrible to give up on. Um, the beautiful thing about these words is it not like you get to the end of 2016 and then you go, oh, it's okay. Now I can bring the fear back. You don't. I'm not saying that I'm not going to deal with fear in my future, but there's a certain amount that is just settled in your spirit when you really push into that area. And so each of these things now I see as great gifts in my life. And like I say, I've still got yards to go in learning and growing in them, but I don't think I can go back on these things that have been forged and shaped in my life. Um, The word that I was given this year was love large. And I didn't really understand it until I started realizing that I was having some massive ideological, philosophical um, belief issues with a number of people in my life that I really and truly love. And um, when you're having such huge disagreements with people, sometimes it's difficult to love them. And um, I was so grateful for this word because it helped me to separate the person 
from the actual issue. And um, I can honestly say that those people where it looked like there was going to be broken relationship, today there is stronger relationship because I was able to help, get God to help me to love large, to to see the value in loving that person more than agreeing on the issue or even on how that issue was worked out. Each of these words, I believe, have been a factory reset. Jesus came to give us life in abundance. And you know, the truth is that life and the scrapes and the scars and the tragedies and the traumas and the evil and the crime and all these things that we live with in the world come against us and they reduce our ability to live fully. And I believe today that God wants to give us all a factory reset, uh, an upgrade. He wants to give us the, the new IOS, or I think I'm using the wrong terminology, forgive me, but you know what I mean. He wants to restore us to factory settings. He wants us to go, I was made to be spirit and man. And Father, I just want to fully allow your spirit and help me to understand the things of the unseen world. And then I also believe that he wants to give each of us a word. Maybe the word won't come today, but maybe the sense will come today. And you know, between now and New Year's Day, I don't know if anyone else finds this, but it's like, it's like 20 days, but it's also like three days and you wake up every day and you don't know what day of the week it is um, or what day it even is, but it's this kind of weird mash of days. And I would love it if you don't get a word or a phrase or a scripture today for your next season, that you just spend some time in the next few days so that as you go into 2020, you've got something to go, I'm going to grow in this, in my spirit, I'm going to get a reset in this area and know that by the end of this season or this year, that there is something forged in my spirit, which is an unseen gift, which is a part of what God has always intended for my full and abundant life, for my ability to have greater faith and more ability to love others. So won't you please stand and we're going to just have a moment to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your incredible gift that we remember today, the gift of your son. We thank you that this incredible story reminds us of how you had always intended our lives to be, part physical and part spirit. And that, Father, we have this incredible ability to have our eyes opened to so much that we don't understand. And so, Father, I pray for each and every person in this room, just in the quiet of their own hearts between you and them, that if there's anyone here who wants to, for the first time, invite your Holy Spirit in, Father, that now is a moment to do that. And Father, for those of us who've already made a decision and um, have allowed the difficulty of life to squash out your Spirit or to make us less aware of what you're doing in us and through us, Father, we, we just give you more space. Father, we just want to allow you, your spirit, to take up as much space as you want. Father, we value the unseen gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that even though we can't see it, we see its effect. We see its work. We see how it heals people and touches people and restores lives, makes people more loving, more patient, more kind. Father, thank you that your Holy Spirit is a tremendous comfort and companion and God, Father, that your Holy Spirit gives us the ability to have greater faith 
and to love more people than we could have imagined and to love them in larger ways than we could have imagined. Father, thank you for every one of your children in this room, your kids who you love, all of us, your kids who you love. Father, we ask that you would drop into our spirits a word, something for us to hold onto a gift that could shape our days ahead, that could help us to make different decisions, that would not be decisions that the world are pushing onto us, but rather that your spirit is using to push out into the world through us. Father, we just thank you for your incredible love. We thank you for your gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman and not weird and will only do what we give permission for. But Father, I really pray for all of those feeling bold today that we would give the greatest permission for you to do what you would in and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.